Thank you, Pastor Paul and the worship team. We just had a uh, wonderful um, staff retreat and came back um, late last night. And I wanted to um, thank our staff for all their hard work and um, just their dedication. And they're all around, but if you see them, make sure you give them a hand, especially to our pastors. And let's give them a hand. They're back there. So just uh, make sure they, you know, I want to thank you guys so much. For all their hard work, and um, man, just we planned till June of next year, and so it was uh, one of those meetings, and um, we were just excited about what God has in store for the church and for us. Um, and you heard the announcement, we have some stuff going on in the summer, and don't let summer, so for some people, summer is like the wasted months, like I can't wait to do nothing, you know, I'm on break, if you're if you have that kind of opportunity to have a break. Um, but let me encourage you to, um, you know, grow in your faith. Like, read a book and grow and share. And so uh, there'll be some great opportunities for that. Um, and also to serve. Uh, serve in VBS and uh, help these kids to celebrate and love Jesus. You will be happier as you serve them. And I'm sure of that. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I preached at um, a different church, at Evergreen Baptist Church. And the pastor there is a mentor to me. He's, he's I think, now 70 years old, um, Pastor Corey. And he's preached at our church a handful of times. I met a member there. And uh, the guy looked like he was around my age, um, like 20s. You know? And so anyways, I met a guy there. That was a joke. All right? So I'm glad you didn't think it was a joke. All right? But um, I met a guy. And I was talking to him. I said, well, how long have you been at the church? And he was like, I started... He started to attend Evergreen when he was 11, he said. 11. And so he's like, it's been 30-some years I've been here. So he's like, the Pastor Corey's been my pastor for 30-some years. And now his son is going to college, and we, we had a good, good conversation about that. But what a thought. Uh, what a wonderful thought, man, that the kids that come, you know, and that you can have an opportunity to say, God willing, like, you know, you become a parent or grandparents or whatever, and later on in life, and 20 years, 30 years later, they're like, yeah, she was my VBS teacher when I first came to Crossway. And she's been guiding me along for the last 20 years. And what a privilege that would be. I'm priceless, really. And so um, if you would dedicate some time, and if you're kind of like, I don't know, it might be tough. Yeah, it is, it is going to be inconvenience. It's going to take some time. It's going to be taking up your schedule. But it's okay. And, uh, you know, we do background checks and it's not for everyone to serve, but man, but if you're really feeling like you need to do this um, and you want to do this, I want to just kind of nudge you along to do that and to serve um, for our VBS in this way. You know, we're um, going through Psalm 100 as we have been going through the Psalms, and this is one of the most um, uh, happier of the Psalms. You know, this is the one you want to read when you are down. You know, there are words like joyful and shout and all these wonderful words are used in this psalm. It's a short psalm, only five verses. Um, but you read this and you kind of wonder, well, am I supposed to just feel this? Like, what if I don't feel like it? What if I came to church, I don't feel like shouting? What if I don't feel like making a joyful noise to God? I, I, be honest, like, if I don't feel like it, what does this mean? Well, this is such a wonderful psalm because of the structure of this. Um, what he is saying, the psalmist is saying is, you don't... Follow God by your feelings alone. Um, you don't say, well, I feel like it now, so I'm going to do this. As we mature in life, as you guys, as we all grow older, we all learn this, right? Maturity means I do hard things. I have to do difficult things. 
Maturity means I have to get up in the morning and get to work, get to school, get work done when I don't feel like it. The immature person only does what they want to do when they feel like it. That's the immature person. A baby will just get up and yell because they want to yell, all right? They, will, they don't care if they're on a plane. They don't care if they're, you know, at church or in a court. They'll just yell. But we say, well, they're, they're a baby. They're not mature yet. The baby will just, just use the bathroom. We'll go poo right there. They don't care. Like, I got to go. I feel like I just do it. Um, we say, well, that's immature. Now, as we grow older, the things that make us go and make us do things. It's not because we feel like it. Um, I don't know if many of you wake up on Monday morning and you're like, I can't, you know, I can't wait for traffic and I'm looking forward to work today. No, you say, I, I got to go. I got to do this. I can't just miss out because I don't feel like it. The same thing with our relationships. You know, are we always lovable? Those of you who are married, are you always a loving spouse? No. Is, that, is your spouse always lovable? No. Right? But we love each other because there is now the covenant. Well, that person, like, you know, my wife, Sharon, loves me because, um, not because I'm so lovable all the time. No, because she's like, well, I'm in a covenant relationship. That dictates how I act towards someone. And so what we get from Psalm 100 is it's the facts that dictate our actions and our feelings. It's not the feelings that dictate how we ought to respond. Just as with work and school and working out or whatever it is. And you think about even coming to church. I mean, how many of us would, um, you know, from our church be here if we showed up only when we felt like it? Get up on Sunday, oh, I don't know. I don't know if today's a good day. You know, even some of the pastors wouldn't be here today, right? Like, I wake up like, oh, you know, and sometimes I wake up and I'm like, oh, it's Sunday. Oh. You know, it's going to be the long day. i got to figure out, you know, what we've got to do next. Um, I wish it was Monday, you know, and uh, we have those thoughts. But we do what we do. We feel what we feel because of the truth of who God is. And this is the, you see this little uh, diagram I made, point A and B. This is how the breakdown of the psalm is, right? Verse 1 and 2 is a call to give thanks, right? You know, to make a joyful noise all the earth, right? It tells us this. But B is the reason behind this. Why should I do this? Not because I just simply feel like it. No, because the celebration of the covenant. That God is, when I think that God loves me and I have a covenant relationship with him, it leads me now to worship in this way. And the second part, verse 4, another call to worship, give thanks to God, enter his courts with thanksgiving, his gates with praise, you know. Uh, why? Because of the celebration of the covenant. Because he's good. Because of who he is. And so we're going to look at this today. We're going to look at maybe the, the B, the part B's of this, the, the reason behind our response of who God is. We want to know God in this way. And so we start here. Verse 3. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Know that the Lord, he is God. The first thing he tells us to do is know, is to think, it's to comprehend, it's to grasp, is to take God and say, I want to intellectually know him. I want to know facts about him. I want to grasp what this entails. And if I understand who God is, it is going to change everything. 
If I understand that this God that I know is in my relationship with him, he's there for me, it changes everything. It gives us peace, hope, joy, all the things that circumstances uh, can't buy. So know that the Lord, he is God. Um, it's in the ESV, and we, we missed the translation here, but the Lord is capital L-O-R-D. It's the, the caps, it's his... Um, proper name it's his covenant name he is god it's saying he yahweh is god he is god it is he who what does this mean it's he who made us now that's a humbling thought you know we often say of someone oh that's a self-made man or self-made woman they worked hard they earned everything but ultimately it's god who made us God who gives us the drive, it's God who gives us the capabilities. He made us. And not only did he make us, um, we are his. Think of, look at how many times the word his is mentioned. We are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. We belong to him. There's a covenant there. We are his. It's interesting, right? It says we're, in, uh, we're the sheep of his pasture. So the stuff we're eating, right, the stuff that we have, the security we have of being the sheep in God's pasture, it's his. We're there. This is his property. We're okay to be there. You know, it's, uh, um, my, my, you know, kids do this all the time with their parents, right? They, if they invite their friends over, they say, come over to my house. They don't say it's my parents' house, right? Then they send out the invitation. We're having a party at my house. Um, you know, we're going to have a sleepover at my house. They don't say, well, it's my dad's house or my mom's house. Technically, it's the bank's house. Like, they don't, they don't explain it to that point. They say, it's my house. And the friends come over and say, you want to watch TV? This is my TV. And they play it. It's not really your TV, right? It's mine. And I give you, you know, it, it's mine. There's an assumption that this is mine. They go in the kitchen. They open the kids, open the fridge, and they eat. This is mine. Why? Because I, I'm at my parents' house. I'm at my mom or dad's house. And when we are now in God's pasture, it's this idea that everything we have in him, it's, it's his, it's, it's mine, I have this. What a thought that is. The second, you know, the, the reasoning behind why we give praise to God, verse 5, for the Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever, his faithfulness to all generations. The Lord is good. It's interesting, right? That, that second phrase, his steadfast love endures forever. It's steady. Uh, it's constant. It doesn't matter if I fail or win. It doesn't matter if I'm good or bad. It's there. Friendships come and go. Friendships say if you mess up too many times, you're going to break the friendship. And there aren't too many relationships here on earth where we could experience this. It's a steadfast love that, that is, endures forever. Parents, and not even all parents, have this kind of love towards their children. But it's there. You know, my youngest is playing basketball, and uh, it's, it's this joy to go watch. And those of you, when, if your kids play sports or recitals or whatever that they do, um, really, I always tell them this. I go, you know what? Don't be nervous. 
I go, people out there, no one's really here to watch you. They're only here to watch their own kid. So it's just me watching you. So it's just like, um, you're, they're not really here. Not, they didn't pay money to come watch you play, per se. It's just me. I, and, it's, you know, and I, I'm here. So don't worry about it. And they're, and they're like, are you sure? <laughs> you know, and, um, and, and they play. And there's, you know, she, like two weeks ago, she had a good game. And she scored a bunch of points. I was, like, I was excited. I was so proud of her. I'm like, yeah, you know, it's awesome. She scored a lot of points. And last week she had a game and she didn't score too many points. And I'm like, oh no, it's it's awesome, you know. And I tell her the same thing. I'm like, you know what you do? If it's not going in, what do you do? You just keep shooting, right? And so she's like, oh yeah, you know Steph Curry. Yeah, he was in sub. You just keep shooting. You're like him. Just you just keep shooting. Next game, you're, you're the best shooter out there. Like keep shooting. Oh, yeah. And so it's I'm there. I don't say, oh my gosh, you went 0 for 10, 0 for 5. You know what? Um, I'm so embarrassed to be your parent. Like, you know, like, oh, just, just walk home, please. You know, like, you can't, you don't do that. It's steady, right? And the concept that God's love is a steadfast love that lasts forever, endures forever, is an amazing thought. Faithfulness to all generations. And some of you are blessed where you have been through generations of uh, Christian uh, you know, uh, heritage in, in your family, like your, your great-grandparents or some of your, your grandparents, they came to faith and they shared their faith with your parents and they shared with you. And maybe for some of you, this is the first generation of Christians in your family, but you know, you know, for the next generation, you want to share the faith and you want to get that across and how wonderful that is and how important that is. It's through all generations. The faithfulness of J.I. Packer in his classic book, Knowing God, talks about this, how knowing God changes everything. Knowing God is what matters. He says this, what makes life worthwhile is having a big enough objective, something which catches our imagination and lays hold of our allegiance. And this the Christian has in a way that no other person has. For what higher calling or what higher, more exalted and more compelling goal can there be than to know God? He said, you're, you're going to know God. The Christian understands who God is. A Christian has a relationship with God. And if you have that, that changes everything. That changes why you do what you do. It helps you to do difficult things. It makes you get up in the morning and go face what you need to face. It helps you to love those that are hard to love. It helps you to grow in your faith because you know God. And so he gives us now these imperatives. Since God is good, God's love endures forever. Since God is your covenant God forever, here are the imperatives, right? This is what the psalmist writes, these imperatives. And there's five I want to highlight. First, make a joyful noise to the Lord. Okay, this is who God is, right? This is what he's done. What's the re response? Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. The proper response to a God that now gives his son to die for the world, God Almighty to be in a relationship with us, even when we score zero points, say, I, I'm so proud of you, I love you, it's not conditional upon your religiosity. To have that kind of God, and the big God Almighty to do that, it's worth not just me praising God, but the whole earth. The whole earth could shout, and all the population, all the world could shout praises to God, and it's still not worthwhile because of what he has done and who he is. Make a joyful noise. 
all the earth. Now, what a thought that is. There aren't too many things in life, events in life, that we make a joyful noise for. It's far and few, and, you know, it's very temporary. Um, you know, us Lakers fans, this is just a difficult time, right? It's just humbling, and you're conflicted. Do I cheer for Cleveland, lowly Cleveland, or, you know, and then we have our San Francisco people that move down here, and they're cheering for the Warriors, and, you know, I hear people say things like, well, you know, Jerry West was actually a Laker. He went, so it's kind of like Lakers North. That's what I call them, or whatever. I hear people say all sorts of things, and do we cheer for them? It's tough. Uh, on um, one of the shows, they were showing the Lakers top 10 final shots or something like that and on uh, one of the channels. And some of you, I'm sure, watch it. And I love watching those things because I can't watch the Lakers now, right? But I watch it then. And so, like, number three, a lot of you guys were there. You know, Robert Ory hits the three-pointer against the Sacramento Kings, and he does this cool kind of strut with his arms. <laughs> it's like I could relive it. I remember watching it live and with the person I was with and this this one of my buddies and we were jumping with holding hands like this and then I was like let go right like wow it lasted a moment but I was like that's good you know let's let's just do a high five all right um you know and then number two you know Kobe to Shaq alley-oop against uh you know the Blazers you know and I remember that number one magic down the middle you know hook shot from 15 and he makes it against the beats the Celtics and you guys remember that and you go wow that's so exciting but it lasts just a little bit and you have to watch it now on reruns and it's not as exciting each time you watch it You're like, I remember yeah I remember um and you watch it and here the idea is man you you worship God in this way you make a joyful noise, and it is worth us going to the ends of the earth. And the difference of us doing a missions trip versus a humanitarian group that goes and helps people is this. The, the, the humanitarian group that just goes to help people says, you know, people are good. They need our help. Let's help them. And I, that's all good. But the big difference is we're saying not only am, it's not because I'm good, but it's because Jesus is good. And we want to share this message because really the whole earth needs to exalt God for what he has done. That's what is deserving. Right? Imperative number two, he says, is in verse two, serve the Lord with gladness. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Serve the Lord with gladness. You know, when you think of a word association, you think of the word serve, you don't automatically think gladness. You know, they're almost the opposites. When you think of the word serve, you think of difficult, um, hard, dirty, um, you know, unpopular. Serve, right? You don't want to be, you don't want to serve in this way. It's only in the church world, in the Christian community, you talk about serving, serving, serving. And so we get used to it sometimes. But really, you think about that word, and serve and gladness don't go hand in hand unless you know who you are serving. Now, my... Uh, as I mentioned, my youngest loves basketball. And this past year, we got to go to a couple uh, Clippers game. And, um, you know, we're, we're watching them. And you, if you ever go to the uh, professional game, Lakers or Clippers or whoever, uh, and you see they have, like, kids, like high school kids, they come out with these mops, right, these round, fancy mops. And when the players are just, you know, they fall down and they just, you know, there's sweats everywhere, they run out, right? And they, they mop that place, and they do it with such gladness. They're, like, so excited. And then the fast break goes, and they're coming back, and they run off. And then as soon as one drop hits, they run on, and they mop, you know. And I remember watching that with her, and she's, like, kind of asking, like, 
hey, who are those guys? Why did they get to do that? And I know she, if she had an opportunity, like, do you want to do that? She would love to do that, right? I said, you want to do that? Yeah, I'd love to do that. We could do that at home. You want to do it at home? <laughs> like, no. Like, you want to mop my daddy's bathroom? Clean it. No, that's disgusting. I don't want to clean your stuff. But, you know, it's like Chris Paul, like, uh, to do the floor at the Staples Center? I'd do that. A lot of the guys here, gals here, we'd want to do that. We'd be like, that's cool. Hand out towels to these guys? Yeah, I'd do that. Because it's who we're serving. It's not the act in itself. And so when we come before God and we say, God, I'm going to go and serve you in this way. Just by definition, it is not easy. It's not convenient. It's not what we feel like doing naturally. We, we want to be served always. The disciples struggled over that. James and John, they wanted to be at the right and the left. They wanted to be served. He said, that's not what it's like here. He said, you have to understand who you're serving. And the moment we get that he is God, the Lord is God, he made us, we're, the, we're his. We understand that. Now serving him is like going to the, the fancy house and say, I'm cleaning up, I'm part of his house, and I serve in this way. Well, after our service, we have our breakdown team, and they help clean up our church. Um, there's quite a bit of stuff, and our brother Jin does a great job. Um, he, he pulls in here sometimes like 6 in the morning, 6.30, and gets everything going. And, um, and last week, we had a dinner um, at uh, brother Mike and Susan's house, and they hosted. And we wanted to thank them, and we ate and hung out. And, and these are the guys and gals that clean up. They serve. But I was so encouraged, and I went to encourage, you know, I said, let's do this, and I, want, I gave, you know, like my, you know, talk, and just wanted to thank them. But, you know, uh, all the guys were like, oh, no, man, thanks, you didn't have to do this. Thanks so much. It's, uh, and they, they were so happy about it. And I left encouraged. I was like, man, you know, it's like just solid. I, I think they grasp this. Because they, they don't do it because they like me, or they like the church so much. It's, it's the understanding of who God is. And once we grasp that, there, all of a sudden, the gripes and the complaints and why how come I want this and where's my rights, all of that just go away. I'm serving the king. You know, on our Easter Sunday, it's crazy. A lot of you guys are there. You know, it's a crazy weekend for our church. The craziest, really. And, uh, you know, like the people that were doing cleanup that day were cleaning up till I, I think, like 3 o'clock. Right? A majority of us dressed nice. We came to church and we ate and play with those puppies, you know, and then we, we went home and did stuff. And they were there until 3 o'clock cleaning up. Not easy. Um, who wants to do that? Um, but there's a sense of joy because I know who I'm serving in this way. Um, imperative 3. Uh, serve the Lord gladness. Verse 2. Come into his presence with singing. Right? Come into his presence. Uh, you're approaching God. You're encountering God. Right, every time we worship, we're encountering God. We're, we're entering his presence. So God is not a, uh, what the deist will say is a distant God, a God who is way in heaven. He has made us. He doesn't manage us. He doesn't interfere in our lives. He doesn't answer prayers. He's just there. There is a God, but we have our own world. We do our own thing. No, he is involved in our lives. So come into his presence. Right? Imperative number four, and there's five total. Imperative number four, the response is, he says, verse four, Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. The gate of, a, of the walls, right? Uh, you could imagine a, a city um, would have walls to protect it, 
They would define the boundary and they would protect it from enemies. And the gate is where people would come in and out. It's very, it's, it's, um, but it didn't just serve as a door. In the Bible, when it talks about the gate, it was a place where it was really the center of the whole town, the city. And so everything happened at the gate. If you needed something important, it would happen at the gate. Often the king would make proclamations through his messengers at the gate. And so they would come and they would hear news. Well, this is what's happening next. Commerce would happen at the gate. So people would go and spend money and buy things and barter, whatever they needed to do. It would happen at the gate. And so all the important people were at the gate. The leaders were at the gate. The uh, uh, people with authority were at the gate. And so when he's saying here, enter his gates, go in through there and go see God. God is at the gate. Remember in uh, Matthew 16, 18, um, when Jesus has that big statement to Peter on this rock, I will build my church. Right? On this statement that he's made, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. It's not that gates are coming to attack us. or That's not what it is. It's the idea that the ones that are in power are at the gates. So the gates represented, you know, represented there, Satan and the principalities, that they will not destroy the church. Um, they will be against the church, but the church will overcome them. And so when he says, enter his gates with thanksgiving, the gate is not just an outside door, as we see sometimes on TV and commercials depicted as, oh, St. Peter is there, uh, angel, an angel is there, they're going to check your name and then let you in. The gate is where it's happening. The gate is where God is. And so you're going to go and see him as you go. Enter his gates. Come on in to his city uh, with thanksgiving. And the fifth imperative he tells us here is give thanks to him in verse 4. Give thanks to him. You could feel gratitude and not give thanksgiving. And not give thanks to someone. Uh, you could say, oh, I'm, 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 I'm going to count my blessings to myself, but not give thanks to someone else. You know, my wife's very good at, she does all the thank you cards, right? One of the things I learned when I got married are these things called thank you cards. I didn't even, I never wrote one until I got married. And even after I mar got married, I, I still think I haven't written one. But, you know, but now my wife is, does it, you know. And um, when we got married and you get all these gifts and, um, you know, she's like, okay, I've got to thank them. Thank them for this. Thank them for that. When my kids have a party and they open all these gifts, she's busy writing down, not on her phone or whatever. She's re recording who gave what, and she sends out cards. Now, for me, I, I don't give things. I, I never gave things. I just felt gratitude, but I never thanked them. I was like, oh, that's nice, you know. All right. I just, yeah, toy, you know. And I, that's nice. Oh, they gave, they gave us that. And sometimes we go to God and we enjoy the things. We might even count them. And it might make us feel better, but he says you got to give thanks to God. Uh, the word, the root word, one of the uh, commentaries that the scholar was saying, it's a word that comes from the original word that means to throw, to cast, you know, to lift your hands. It, it means to project it towards someone, to give thanks towards someone. And so it's not a feeling. It's not just, oh, count your blessings to yourself, but to give thanks. Say it in your prayers. Say it in your songs. Say it in your giving. Say it in your service. I give it. I demonstrate it back. Don't write a thank you card and keep it in your pocket. I send it. And he says, you give thanks. If God is who God says he is and he gave so much, you give 
thanks to him in this way. And so we come here. And whether we feel it or not, we come now to know God. He is God. It is he who made us. We are his. Nothing could take us out of his hands. No one could snatch the sheep out of the shepherd's hands. Nothing we can do. And he loves us when we score 100, when we score zero, when we get a 4.0 or when we are failing. He says, I still love you. And there is glimpses of that here on earth, but really nothing like that until you look at the cross. For God Almighty gave his only son to people who would crucify him and gave him as an offering to appease the wrath of the Father. And he goes and he dies for us. And this is now the response. The response of the people who understood that. They got that. And so I want to challenge us. Before you feel like it, before you're waiting for an experience, before you're looking around for some church with some kind of atmosphere that's going to give you some kind of an experience, you go to the word and you know him. You preach the word to yourself and you grasp this. As you understand this, you will not be able to contain your joy and gratitude and thanksgiving to God. It will be a life of celebration in this way. So we gather to know this and we gather to celebrate. All right, let's pray together. Thank you, God, for giving us so much. Open our eyes so we could see what you have done for us. The things of this world will fade away. It won't affect us. It won't get us so mad or up or down because we have so much in you. So we cling to that, God. Uh, we thank you, God. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.